We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 703 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, November 20th, 2023. Hey, is Ron Rivera still the commander's head coach? I'm not sure. I haven't checked X in the last five minutes. Uh, Exactly how many low points are we going to have this commander season? Because we now have a new low point. A 31-19 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. What was a sold-out FedEx Field? Fans showed up. Uh, they were not rewarded. Uh, the Commanders this regular season now 4-7 and seven with a point differential of minus 69. And then there is this. And my friends, you cannot make this up. <laughs> there apparently was no water at FedEx Field after the game. Players could not shower after the game. From a commander's team official, quote, we had an equipment failure in the main water heater that provides hot water to the field-level locker rooms. We can't resolve the matter without completely shutting off the water to the stadium, which is why it couldn't be repaired in-game. End quote. (laughs) So players could not shower after this game. Yes, the palace that is FedEx Field. The magnificent structure that is FedEx Field. Hey, at least the commander's next game is just a few days away at the Dallas Cowboys this Thursday afternoon. Thanksgiving at 4.30. So commander's players should at least be able to shower by Thursday. Uh, Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thanksgiving week. Uh, For most of you, that means a short work week. But for all of us who are Commanders fans, uh, this week could be a gigantic week. And not just because of our football team having two NFC East games in five days. Is Ron Rivera about to be fired as commander's head coach, as in today or later this week. Our next segment, I'm going to examine this, including some rather telling exchanges from Ron's postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon off this embarrassment of a loss. Uh, The Giants having a terrible season, 
The Giants ripped apart by injury. The Giants starting a third-string quarterback, an undrafted rookie, Tommy DeVito. And yet, the Giants beating Washington again. Washington, with this loss, fell to 5-13 and in games against the Giants at FedEx Field since the start of the 2006 season. This is in addition to Washington since the start of the 1993 season, being a woeful 9-21-1 in games at the Giants. The Giants are our daddies. There is no getting around that, okay? The Giants own our team. Uh, I will discuss what went down with the commander's offense on Sunday afternoon, including a not-so-great game for our guy, quarterback Sam Howell, uh, and the offense committing five of the team's six turnovers. Yeah, six turnovers. If you didn't know better, you'd have thought that the commanders were shaving points. Uh, And I'll give you my thoughts on yet another wonderful performance by this commander's defense. You know, at least we with the commander's offense have a promising quarterback in Sam Howell to uh, hang our hats on. What is the positive with the commander's defense? Like, what is there to cling to with the commander's defense? The defense on Sunday afternoon racked up nine sacks, was dominant against the run for most of the game, and yet still was bad. Think about that. How bad must you be as a defense to still be bad even when you get nine sacks and are dominant against the run for most of the game? Uh, Also on the show, the rest of your weekend in Washington, D.C. area sports, I have an in-depth college football segment for you. The most comprehensive look at college football in the mid-Atlantic region of what went down on Saturday. Breakdowns of Maryland's 31-24 home loss to number three Michigan. Navy's 10-0 home win over East Carolina. James Madison's 26-23 overtime home loss to Appalachian State. Liberty's 49-25 home win over UMass. Virginia Tech's 35-28 home loss to NC State. Virginia's 30-27 home win over Duke and Old Dominion's 2017 win at Georgia Southern. I will talk college basketball, including thoughts on a good weekend for Georgetown with home wins over Mount St. Mary's and American and a terrible Friday night for Maryland. The Terrapins, a 57-40 loss at number 21 Villanova. The Terps are just 1-3 and three this season. Uh, and I will get into the Capitals and Wizards. Uh, the Caps continue to roll. They're now 8-1-1 one, and one since their 1-3 and 1 start to this NHL regular season. Saturday night, a 4-3 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena. And the Wizards, uh, they continue to struggle. Uh, they're now 2-10 in this NBA regular season. Friday night, a 120-99 loss to the New York Knicks at Capital One Arena. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. A lot of feedback on the commanders of yet another humiliating loss. And as you may be able to guess, uh, people are not happy. Uh, Email from Wendell Hicks writes, Wendell, I normally try to be level-headed, but after Sunday, I am just done with this group. It's one thing 
to not be good and have high variable moments. But to have three losses to really bad teams is just beyond frustrating. I just cannot put any more emotional energy into this group. The level of disappointment with the defense especially is so great that I would like to see Jack Del Rio gone after Thanksgiving. There is no point in hoping for a huge run at the end of the season. So I'm hoping for the commanders to lose out and allow a new regime to have the highest draft picks possible. I really didn't see the season going this way, but here we are, and it's time to do what's best for the future. Uh, Thank you for the email, Wendell. Uh, I don't disagree. Email from Jeff Percy, writes Jeff, what everyone said couldn't happen did happen. A terrible Giants team comes into FedEx Field and hands the commanders the worst loss that I have seen in a while. Just to recap, this regime has lost to Chicago once and New York twice, each team coming into the game as one of the worst teams in the NFL. I realize that turnovers were a significant problem in this game, and the coaches cannot hold on to the football for the players. However, this staff rarely has its players as prepared as opposing teams have their players. The Rivera-Del Rio experiment and player personnel with a focus on a defensive dynasty has been a disaster. The entire organization needs to know that this product is not acceptable. Josh Harris needs to respond with a clear message by firing these clowns. Uh, Thank you for the email, Jeff. Email from Marlon G. writes, Marlon, this is one of the worst losses of the Ron Rivera era. And to be honest, I'm not even surprised that we lost. In that last series, I was expecting a fumble or an interception. Ron and Jack really need to go. Ownership needs to make a statement that this stuff is not acceptable. After all of that, Sam is the guy talk. Why aren't we passing to Terry, to Dodson? Ron hasn't drafted well at all. We could possibly be in an even worse shape than we thought. Need to invest again on the defense for the ends. The team can't be asking fans to show up. And when we do, we get this. Who will want to pay top dollar for seats and to sit in traffic before and after games to watch this stuff? Ownership should refund all season tickets this year. LOL. We need blood, Al. Uh, Thank you, Marlon. Uh, I hear your blood may be coming sooner uh, than we thought. Email from B, writes B, well, Al, I wish it was different, but it's not. It's no fun anymore. Honestly, I kept thinking to myself, are they throwing this game? (laughs) I know that that's impossible, but man, what a terrible showing by a terrible team against another terrible team. I've come around on Eric B since my last email and no longer think of him as Eric the enemy, (laughs) but I think he might be a victim of the imminent downsizing in January. And that's fine by me. Clean the whole house. Keep up the great work. You are a bright spot in a season that is officially sideways. Well, thank you, B. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, as some of you may remember, B referred to Commander's Assistant Head Coach slash Offensive Coordinator Eric the Enemy as Eric the Enemy. <laughs> uh, well, a man who is a friend, not an enemy, uh, to all of those with dermatological needs is Dr. George Verghese. Uh, Dr. George Verghese, a board-certified dermatologist and most surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He is a big Commander's fan and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery. Institute of Maryland, which has locations in Waldorf, Maryland, Leonardtown, Maryland, and Lexington Park, Maryland. Uh, Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. 
The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings to anyone considered a new patient. And Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer advanced treatments for skin cancer. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit Mid-Atlantic Skin Com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. It could be just a sentence or two. But the ratings and the reviews do help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, the truth is that Ron Rivera's tenure as Washington head coach has been over for a while. Uh, you could argue that it was over when the Commanders lost to the New York Giants the first time this season, uh, the 14-7 loss at the Giants in Week 7. You could argue that Ron's tenure as Washington head coach was over when the Commanders got doubled up by the Chicago Bears 40-20 at FedEx Field on Thursday night football in Week 5. Uh, you could argue that Ron's tenure as Washington head coach was over when the Josh Harris Group officially completed its purchase of the Commanders this past July 21st. You could argue that Ron's tenure as Washington head coach was over when the Commanders lost to the Cleveland Browns 24-10 at FedEx Field this past New Year's Day. But the point is, Ron's tenure as Washington head coach has been over for a while. The only question left is, when will the official end happen? Uh, I have not been among those clamoring for an in-season firing of Ron, mainly because I don't know how much good that would do. I'm not against an in-season firing of Ron, but what I most care about with the commanders right now is quarterback Sam Howell. And doing something like promoting assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy to interim head coach, assuming that he would even accept the promotion, uh, might do more harm than good for Sam because that would lessen the focus that Eric could have on Sam. But regardless of how you feel about the managing partner, Josh Harris, firing Ron Rivera in season, let's make this clear. We are now on Ron Rivera watch. Uh, I on this past Friday's show, episode 702, brought up the notion that this week, Thanksgiving week, could be the final week for Ron as Washington head coach if the commanders lose to the Giants and then lose at the Dallas Cowboys. Well, uh, step one is complete. A 31 
19-19 loss to the Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. And now we await step two, uh, Commanders at the Cowboys this Thursday afternoon, Thanksgiving at 4.30. The Cowboys for this regular season are 7-3 and three and are tied with the Baltimore Ravens for the best point differential in the NFL, plus 127. Uh, the Cowboys won at the first team for which Rod Rivera was head coach, the Carolina Panthers, 33-10 on Sunday afternoon. What might the Cowboys do to the Commanders on Thanksgiving? Uh, Josh Harris firing Ron Rivera in the middle of a short week seems unlikely, although not impossible. Uh, But I would not be surprised at all if Josh Harris fired Ron on, say, Friday morning. Hey, Friday is Black Friday, right? (laughs) Well, Black Monday is the Monday after the end of the NFL regular season, a day on which a lot of firings usually happen. So instead of Black Monday, Josh Harris could go with Black Friday in terms of the day on which to fire Ron Rivera. But for Ron Rivera as Washington head coach, it's over. It's done. Uh, His regular season record as Washington head coach now is 26-34-1. You know, the Commanders could win the rest of their games this regular season, and Ron's regular season record as Washington head coach still would not be 500. But it's not just the record. Do you know what Washington's regular season point differential is? with Ron Rivera as head coach is. You ready for this? <laughs> minus 184. Yeah, minus 184. Plus six for the 2020 regular season. Minus 99 for the 2021 regular season. Minus 22 for the 2022 regular season. Minus 69 for this regular season. You add all of that up, minus 184. Washington, over 61 regular season games with Ron Rivera as head coach, is 26-34-1 and and has been outscored by 184 points. Yes, Ron as Washington head coach has had to deal with a lot of stuff, but on no planet, in no universe, is 26-34-1 with a point differential of minus 184 acceptable To say nothing of the specifics of this season, it's easy to forget that the Commanders began this regular season 2-0, what was the franchise's first 2-0 start to a regular season since 2011. Well, since that 2-0 start, the Commanders are 2-7, seven losses in nine games. The season has fallen apart with now this exclamation mark uh, that is this 31-19 loss to a Giants team that came into the game just a 2-8 and eight this regular season and that in the game started a third-string quarterback who was an undrafted rookie, Tommy DeVito. Uh, I want to play for you a series of exchanges from Rod Rivera's post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon. Uh, first up, this exchange between Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 and Ron. You feel like the guys came ready to play early in this thing? Kinda- Always. They showed up early to play. They were ready to play. They had a good week of practice. It's unfortunate we turned the ball over the first two drills, uh, first two possessions. Do you think the Giants came into it with a different mindset, being a little more desperate? Couldn't tell you what their mindset was. Yeah, but here's the thing with the six turnovers by the commanders on Sunday afternoon. No, Ron Rivera did not commit those turnovers, but... 
Those turnovers were committed uh, by players picked by Ron. He is the head coach in a coach-centric approach. He is in charge of player personnel. These are his guys. This is his team. And this is season number four for Ron as Washington head coach. We later at Ron's post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon had this exchange between Grant Paulson of 106.7 The Fan and Ron. You've talked a lot about growth overall. Does a game like this make you question how much things are growing? Not necessarily. But when you have games at home with teams like the Bears or the Giants now twice, Mm -hmm. teams that at this point you know, it, no matter what my answer is, yeah, it's going to come out and people are going to say it's an excuse. So we're just going to take the responsibility. We're going to show up tomorrow. We're going to get prepared, and we're going to get ready to play Dallas because we got a very short week. Okay. Totally understand that. I guess my question is, at this point of your program, did you expect you'd be winning games like this at home against teams you're nine points favored against? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you win them, sometimes you don't. They're professionals, too. That started the questions was, you know, they're professionals, too. They're going to show up. They're going to play hard. You know, Ron Rivera was not wrong with what he said about whatever he says being used against him. You know, we are at that point with Ron. We're like everything that he says is used against him. He has become a punching bag. And I know for me, none of this is personal with Ron Rivera. I don't harbor like personal animosity toward Ron. I don't enjoy beating up on the guy. I have said this. I have been rooting very hard for Ron Rivera to succeed as Washington head coach since he was hired as Washington head coach. But to me, this is about the bottom line. Washington over 61 regular season games with Ron Rivera as head coach is 26-34-1 and has been outscored by 184 points. We have seen enough. Enough is enough. Uh, We later in Ron Rivera's post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon had this exchange between Scott Abraham, sports anchor for 7 News DC, and Ron. Ron, you've been a part of the NFL for so many years, players and as a coach. And as a head coach, you know you are judged on wins and losses. Okay, you're telling me something I know. Go ahead. Right now, this team's four and seven, year number four. Are you surprised, or how, how do you defend where this team is at right now? Again, if I answer a question like that, I'm making an excuse, okay? It'll get out there. I don't need to deal with it. We're just going to continue to do the best we can. We're going to work our asses off. We're going to show up tomorrow. We'll show up Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we'll show up Thursday, and we're going to play hard. We'll see what happens. With your experience in the NFL as a player and a coach, where this team and franchise is at right now, do you think there needs to be some sort of a change, whether that's personnel or on the coaching staff? I'm not going to discuss those kinds of things right now. What we're going to do is we're going to evaluate everything we do, and we'll continue to do that. Well, might there be a sacrificial lamb in the coming days? Might defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio be that sacrificial lamb? Uh, Would that even matter at this point? You know, I have to tell you, I am excited about what is next for the Commanders. Josh Harris is known as being big on analytics. You know that that is uh, right up my alley. Uh, Remember, the Commanders on October 26th announced the hiring of Eugene Shen as the team's senior vice president of football strategy. So the change already is underway. I look forward to Josh Harris hopefully hiring a new football operations regime with a smart, forward-thinking, analytically-inclined 
general manager and an offensive-minded head coach. Uh, Think what the Philadelphia Eagles have with executive vice president and general manager Howie Roseman and head coach Nick Sirianni. Think what the Minnesota Vikings have with general manager Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and head coach and former Redskins offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell. What could be next for our football team could be great. And I know for me, that more and more is what I'm focusing on. Because what is now for our football team is bad, really bad. And it needs to end. Well, something that should never end is the great work of Paulson and Nace. Uh, Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C. based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. And Chris Nace and Matt Nace specifically are dedicated and decorated trial attorneys. Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Chris in July was elected as the parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. And both Chris and Matt Nace in August were recognized by Best Lawyers in America for 2024. Why the accolades? Well, Paulson and Nace fights for you. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, good NFL quarterbacks have bad games, let alone developing NFL quarterbacks. Sam Howell is a developing NFL quarterback who may prove to be a good NFL quarterback, but Progression is not linear, and he and the Commanders' 31-19 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon did not have a good game. Uh, Now, Sam was not the only person affiliated with the Commanders' offense who did not have a good game on Sunday afternoon. Sam was under constant pressure. He once again was plagued by multiple drops by Commanders' pass catchers, uh, but there's no way to dress up this performance by Sam as anything other than a bad performance uh, in which there were positives from Sam. But Sam in this loss to the Giants went 31 of 45 for 255 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. He averaged just 
5.67 yards per pass attempt. He took four sacks. He had three carries for 35 yards and a touchdown. His work as a runner was impressive, uh, but he quarterbacked a commander's offense that went just 5 of 13 on third downs. Here was commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on the performance of Sam Howell in this loss to the Giants. I thought he had his moments. You know, he uh, he took a shot early on and you know, not sure if that was that was a good decision, but he had some really good moments, moved the ball really well, and just can't turn it over and kill your own drives. Sam Howell had been very good in each of the commander's previous three games. He was not very good in this game. Ron Rivera, during his postgame press conference, got asked if this game was a step back for Sam. This was Ron's answer. No, it's always a step forward. He's learning, he's growing. He made some mistakes. But he hung in there, he fought, gave us a chance to win the football game. To me, the thing not to do with Sam Howell is let every game be a referendum on him as an NFL quarterback. Uh, This is why you need to let the sample size grow. You got to look at the bigger picture and not be emotional and reactionary to every game. This is why I've not been among those declaring Sam a franchise quarterback, whatever you want that to mean already. And this also is why I'm not going to let how he played in this loss to the Giants sway me from thinking that he just may be a franchise quarterback. Uh, Sam Howell, to me, remains the number one bright spot for the Commanders this season by miles. And he this season has done more good than bad. I'd say a lot more good than bad. But Sunday afternoon was not a great day. Uh, You start with the turnovers. How do you not, right? I mean, what happened with the Commanders offense in this game from a turnover standpoint was absurd. The Commanders in this game committed six turnovers, Three interceptions by Sam Howell and three lost fumbles, uh, which were by tight end Logan Thomas, receiver slash kickoff returner Byron Pringle, and running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. We next segment will get to the commander's defense, but how did the commanders lose a game in which they had nine sacks? The answer, six turnovers. Six turnovers greater than sign nine sacks. Uh, Sam Howell threw three interceptions and also had a near interception. Uh, Sam on the commander's 12th offensive drive threw a game-sealing pick six for the commander's sixth turnover of the game. How fitting, right? A pick six for turnover number six. So the drive started at the commander's 19 with one minute 49 seconds left in the fourth quarter and the commander's trailing 24-19. Ninth snap of the drive on a first and 15 for the commanders at the Giants 48 with 29 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Sam took a shotgun snap, was under pressure, and then off his back foot through a floater that was picked off by safety slash linebacker Isaiah Simmons and returned 54 yards for a game icing pick six. Uh, Sam on the commander's 10th offensive drive threw an interception for the commander's fifth turnover of the game. The fifth snap of the drive on a fourth quarter, third and 10 for the commanders at their 38. Sam took a shotgun snap and off scrambling to his right threw a wounded duck into double coverage in corner Darnay Holmes made the interception. Uh, Sam on the commander's first offensive drive 
through an interception. The fourth snap of the drive on a first quarter, first and 10 for the Commanders at their 35. Sam threw an interception to corner Nick McLeod as Sam on a deep shotgun pass overthrew receiver Deami Brown, who did stumble at the end of the route, but this was an overthrow by Sam. Here was Sam during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on what happened on that first interception. Yeah, first interception. Um, you know, I thought it was the right read, right right place to go with the ball. Just kind of threw it too far down the field. Obviously, I haven't really watched how the play kind of turned out. I didn't really see him see him catch the ball, but I knew it was kind of the coverage we wanted for the play to take a shot down the field. Um, I just got to do a better job of making sure that Diami has a, a chance to catch the ball and not, not the defender. All right, and Sam Howell on the commander's fifth offensive drive had a near interception and then took a sack. Uh, this drive resulted in a second quarter three and out. The second snap of the drive on a second and eight for the commanders at their 37. Sam had a near pick on a shotgun incompletion on a pass uh, that was dropped by safety Jason Pinnock, who got right in front of the target receiver Terry McLaurin. Uh, the third snap of the drive on a third and eight for the commanders at their 37. Sam took a sack from interior defensive lineman Dexter Lawrence for an eight-yard loss as Lawrence got passed off by center Tyler Larson to left guard Chris Paul and uh, Lawrence blew through Paul. Uh, Sam Howell in this loss to the Giants did not have many big completions. He did have some. I mean, the touchdown pass was nice. Second and six for the commanders at the Giants eight. Sam had an eight-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Jahan Dotson with 2.16 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Sam, on the commander's sixth offensive drive, had a key completion. This was the drive that resulted in Sam's 70-yard shotgun scramble touchdown run with 1.32 left in the second quarter. Tenth snap of the drive on a third and three for the commanders at their 18. Sam had an 11-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin. And Sam, on the commander's third offensive drive, had a big completion. Uh, this was the drive that resulted in kicker Joey Sly's first quarter 23-yard field goal, the fifth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at the Giants 34. Sam had a 29-yard under center play action completion to tight end Logan Thomas, who was wide open. But in a lot of ways, Sam's best work in this game was as a runner. He was really good as a runner. Three carries for 35 yards and a touchdown. How about the touchdown run? Sam on the Commanders' sixth offensive drive had a sensational touchdown run. The 12th snap of the drive on a second and goal for the Commanders at the seven. Sam had a 70-yard shotgun scramble touchdown run on which he ran through an attempted tackle by edge defender Aziz Ojulari, uh, spun through an attempted tackle by linebacker Micah McFadden, and then took a double shot by safety Xavier McKinney and linebacker Bobby Okereke. Uh, but Sam, through all of this, broke the plane for a touchdown. What a run by Sam Howell. Now, you know, he broke the plane and then the play actually continued because nobody was quite sure if Sam had broken the plane and Sam ended up getting shoved to the ground out of bounds uh, by McKinney, uh, prompting a scuffle on the sideline and Sam staying on the ground for a few seconds. Uh, the penalties on the play offsetting disqualification penalties of receiver Curtis Samuel and corner Cordell Flott. Hated to see Curtis get tossed from the game because of that. And then you also hated to see Joey Sly miss the ensuing extra point attempt as the kick 
was wide right. Uh, but Sam, after the touchdown run, uh, was evaluated for a concussion, but was cleared to return. That was a scary sequence. That was a busy sequence. There was a lot happening uh, on that play and in the moments after the play. Here was Sam during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on the punishment that he took on that touchdown run. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. Um, yeah, I just kind of fell, fell really hard, um, but I'm all right. No major injuries or anything, so I'm, I'm all right. Did it affect you at all later in the game? No, ma'am. No. All right, no excuses from Sam Howell. Uh, the Commander's eighth offensive drive. This was their first offensive drive of the second half. This was a 13-play, 68-yard drive that consumed seven minutes, 37 seconds off the clock, but the drive resulted in a field goal as opposed to a touchdown. Uh, the drive resulted in Joey Sly's third quarter 42-yard field goal to cut the commander's deficit to 14-12, but the third snap of the drive on a third and three for the commanders at their 15, Sam had a 20-yard shotgun scramble, and Sam on the commander's first offensive drive had a nice scramble. Uh, now this was the drive that resulted in Sam's first quarter interception to Nick McLeod, but the third snap of the drive on a third and three for the commanders at their 27, Sam had an eight-yard shotgun scramble up the A-gap off Dexter Lawrence getting by Tyler Larson. Uh, Sam on the play did suffer an apparent cut to his lip. Uh, that's the thing. Sam is getting beaten up. You know, he's not immortal. I mean, all of these hits, all of these shots, all of the pounding, all of this is going to get Sam injured at some point. The guy is extremely tough, and knock on wood, he's proving himself to be extremely durable, but he this season is taking a beating, and you do worry uh, about that. But Sam as a runner on Sunday afternoon, uh, really good. Uh, and that brings us to the commander's offensive line. We'll see what the analysis of the game shows about the commander's offensive line. But just in watching the game at first glance, the commander's offensive line in this game had a lot of problems. Sam was under constant pressure. The commanders got ripped by Giants edge defender Kayvon Thibodeau, who was credited with two sacks, three quarterback hits, two tackles for loss, and a pass defense. Uh, heck, how about the penalty by left tackle Charles Leno Jr.? Uh, Leno did not appear to have a good game. Uh, the drive that resulted in Sam Howell's late fourth quarter 54-yard pick six to Isaiah Simmons. The eighth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Giants 43. Charles Leno committed a five-yard false start penalty, prompting Ron Rivera to burn the commander's third and final second half timeout in order to avoid the 10-second runoff generated by the penalty. So a very costly penalty by Charles Leno. Uh, the commanders on Sunday afternoon had major problems with the Giants' pass rush for a second time in as many games this season. Uh, commander's assistant head coach slash Offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy he for a second time in as many games this season against the Giants, uh, bested by Giants defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale. But of course, you can't put the fumbles and the drops on Eric. And the fumbles, and to a lesser extent, the drops were maddening. Uh, you had tight end Logan Thomas, five receptions, 58 yards, and a lost fumble on eight targets. The commander's second offensive drive, the second snap of the drive on a first quarter, first and 10 for the commanders at their 47. Sam had a five-yard shotgun play action sprint out completion to Logan Thomas, but Logan, in being tackled by linebacker Micah McFadden, had the ball knocked out 
by corner Cordell Flood, and the ball was recovered by safety Xavier McKinney. A receiver Byron Pringle, he was the commander's kickoff returner in this game with running back Antonio Gibson inactive due to a toe injury. Now Pringle over two kickoff returns averaged 38.5 yards per return. That's good, but he had a lost fumble. Pringle had a lost fumble on the opening kickoff of the second half. He generated a 37-yard kickoff return, but he committed a lost fumble. Uh, so much for winning the pregame coin toss and deferring. Uh, and then running back Chris Rodriguez Jr., he with Antonio Gibson inactive, actually played on offense. So Rodriguez had not played on any of the commander's offensive snaps in each of the team's three previous games. He, on Sunday afternoon, had six carries for 43 yards, but also a lost fumble. Uh, he also had one reception for five yards on one target. Rodriguez had some nice runs, but the lost fumble was huge. The commander's ninth offensive drive, fourth snap of the drive on a late third quarter, third and two for the commanders at their 49. Rodriguez had a 16-yard shotgun handoff run. Great. But then on the very next snap, late third quarter, first and 10 for the commanders at the Giants 35. Rodriguez, a lost fumble on a three-yard under center handoff run. This was the commander's fourth turnover of the game. Six turnovers. Incredible. <laughs> and you also had the drops. Uh, receiver Deami Brown. Who else? Another drop for him. Uh, the drive that resulted in Sam Howell's fourth quarter eight-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson, the ninth snap of the drive on a third and one for the Commanders at the Giants' 30. Diami had a drop on a shotgun incompletion by Sam, who threw basically a perfect pass. Diami was wide open for what should have been a big completion, but Diami uh, again with a drop. Diami this season has been a drops machine. Uh, also, running back Brian Robinson Jr. had a drop, and he had a fumble. Uh, he did do a lot of good things. You know, there was a lot to take in with Brian Robinson. He had 17 carries for 73 yards and had seven receptions for 58 yards and a fumble on nine targets. But he also had a drop, the drive that resulted in the Sam Howell late fourth quarter pick six to Isaiah Simmons. Third snap of the drive, first and 10 for the commanders at their 39. Robinson, a drop on a shotgun in completion by Sam. Uh, Robinson on the commander's 11th offensive drive had a big reception, but also a fumble that uh, the commanders did recover. This was the drive that resulted in Sam Howell's fourth quarter touchdown pass to Jahan Dodson. Robinson's fumble came on a reception on the play right before the touchdown, but the sixth snap of the drive on a fourth and 10 for the commanders at their 40. Sam had a 21-yard shotgun completion to Robinson on a screen on which he gained 24 yards after the catch. Brian Robinson's emergence as a pass catcher has been great, but the commander's offense in this loss to the Giants, uh, not great. Uh, one more for you from Sam Howell's postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon. Sam on if he, as the starting quarterback of this team, feels the weight of people calling for Ron Rivera to be fired. Uh, we don't really pay attention to stuff like that. Um, you know, we have, I have, I have faith in all my players, all my coaches around me. Um, I know that we have everything in this organization that we need to be successful. Um, players, coaches, every, everybody. It's just a matter of we got to go out there and, and do it each and every day and, and, and get the results. Um, and we, we haven't done that this year. And I think we're definitely capable of it, um, but we just got to fix it, you know, and it, it starts with me and I got to do a better job of giving this team chances to win football games. Um, but we have everything we need in that locker room to be successful.
Well, if only the work of the Commanders this season was as good as the work of Nova Fireplace and Stove. If you are in need of fireplace stove or chimney work and you live in Northern Virginia, Nova Fireplace and Stove will do you right. Uh, Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Offer a good while supplies last, but this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big Commanders fans, my guys Daniel and Stewart, and it has outstanding professionals. Uh, whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master Gas Fitter, Master Electrician, Class A Contractor, Licensed Chimney Inspector, and because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors, and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It is a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, Nova Fireplace and Stove. And take advantage of this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. We move now to the commander's defense off what it did (laughs) in the 31-19 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. The commander's defense in this game totaled nine sacks and held the Giants to zero net rushing yards for a big chunk of the game. And yet still, the commander's defense was bad. That, my friends, in a nutshell, is the 2023 commander's defense inexplicably, incomprehensibly bad. The Giants' starting quarterback for this game was Tommy DeVito, an undrafted rookie out of Illinois. Both of the Giants' top two quarterbacks, Daniel Jones and the Virginia Tech product Tyrod Taylor, are on the Giants' reserve injured list. Uh, DeVito was playing in his fourth career NFL regular season game, was making just his second career NFL regular season start. And yet, the commanders allowed Tommy DeVito to go 18-26 for 246 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. The Commanders allowed DeVito to average 9.46 yards per pass attempt. Now look, 
Tommy DeVito has a strong arm. Who knows? Maybe Tommy DeVito ends up being a quality NFL quarterback. But then again, maybe Tommy DeVito is basically never heard from again. And his lone moment of NFL glory ends up being this game against this train wreck of a commander's defense. The commanders allowed DeVito to have six completions, each of at least 21 yards, as yes, the commander's defense's problem of giving up the explosive play continued. Uh, The commanders on the Giants' third offensive drive gave up back-to-back 24-yard completions. The drive happened in the first quarter. Third snap of the drive on a third and 13 for the Giants at the commander's 48. The commanders gave up a 24-yard shotgun completion by Tommy DeVito to receiver Darius Slayton. The fourth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Giants at the commander's 24. Linebacker Jamin Davis got beat by running back Saquon Barkley on a wheel route on a 24-yard shotgun touchdown pass by Tommy DeVito to Saquon down the right side. Uh, The commanders on the Giants' sixth offensive drive gave up a 40-yard touchdown pass. The sixth snap of the drive on a second quarter, third and one for the Giants at the Commanders' 40. The Commanders gave up a 40-yard under center play action touchdown pass by Tommy DeVito to Darius Slayton as Slayton was wide open and then in making the catch at the Commanders' 17 made a move to get by corner Kendall Fuller who missed badly on an attempted tackle. How about this? The Giants this regular season now have four first half touchdowns. All four have come over the two games against the Commanders. Let that sink in. Here was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on the Commanders once again giving up a bunch of explosive plays and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commanders insider Michael Phillips of the Washington Times. No, we unfortunately, you know, gave them up. You know, they hit us on a run. They hit us on a couple of throws. Is there anything systemically that needs to change on defense in light of those? Well, just some things that we got to make sure, you know, we're putting them in the position to be successful. We can't give up plays. No, you can't. Now, you heard Ron Rivera in that cut that I just played for you address potential changes with the commander's defense. We earlier in the show talked about Ron potentially getting fired this week. Well, what if Ron doesn't get fired this week? But what if defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio gets fired this week? I'm going to play for you two exchanges from later in Ron Rivera's postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon regarding potential changes with the defense. The first exchange was with David Aldridge of The Athletic. The next exchange was with Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN. These exchanges uh, were not back-to-back, but here you go. Ron, the, the, to get back to the explosive plays on defense, I mean, some of those were not missed tackles. Some of those were guys wide open again. And I just wonder, at some point, does somebody have to sit down, have to be replaced if, if they keep giving up these types of plays? Yes. There are things that we have to look at. We have to, you know, just continue to discuss it and go from there. Ron, when you say you're looking at to replace somebody, you talking players or are you talking staff or anything like that? No, I'm just saying we're going to take a look at things and we'll go from there. All right. So Ron Rivera giving vague, generic answers regarding the possibility of change with the commander's defense, but certainly not dismissing the possibility of change with 
the commander's defense. I don't know that firing Jack Del Rio would do anything. I do know this, okay? And this is something that really drives you nuts when you think about it. Giants receiver Isaiah Hodgins during his postgame session with reporters regarding whether the commanders adjusted to the Giants' quick passing game. Quote, not really. Their main plan seemed to be that they wanted to play man and then let their D-line do what they do. They had some success with the sacks and stuff, but playing man in the NFL for an entire game isn't easy, and we got guys who can make plays. So we started doing that, and I didn't really notice a counter. They stuck with their plan. End quote. No adjustment, apparently, from JDR. I will tell you this, I find myself caring far more about quarterback Sam Howell than I care about the commander's defense. The defense has been a complete failure. The defense is going to be very different next season. And so to get worked up anymore about this commander's defense, who does what, why what happened happened, I'm not sure that any of that stuff even matters anymore because I think that major change is coming for this defense, both in terms of coaching and personnel. Winter is coming uh, for this commander's defense. Uh, Also, the commander's run defense on Sunday afternoon wilted over two drives in the second half. The Giants' 10th offensive drive. Uh, This was the drive that resulted in the Tommy DeVito early fourth quarter, third and goal, five-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley. The first snap of the drive, the final snap of the third quarter on a first and 10 for the Giants at their 32. The Commanders gave up a 36-yard under center toss run by Saquon. The Giants went into that play with zero net rushing yards in the game. And then on the Giants' 11th offensive drive, uh, this was the drive that resulted in kicker Randy Bullock's fourth quarter 36-yard field goal for a 24-12 Giants lead. The commanders over the first three snaps of the drive allowed Saquon to have three carries for 46 yards. It's amazing though. The commander's defense was unequivocally bad despite totaling nine sacks. You know, the Giants had Tommy DeVito as the starting quarterback. The Giants starting right tackle Evan Neal was inactive for this game due to an ankle injury. The Giants offensive line this season has had all kinds of injury problems. And the Commanders did adequately take advantage in terms of the pass rush. Uh, The Commanders in the first quarter registered five sacks, the most sacks by Washington in the first quarter of a regular season game since sacks became an official NFL stat beginning with the 1982 season, but the commanders in that first quarter also gave up three completions, each of at least 21 yards. Uh, But a lot of commanders defensive players did uh, eat in this game. Uh, Linebacker and former Giant David Mayo, he early in the game (laughs) played out of his mind, right? Mayo for the game was credited with two sacks, two quarterback hits, and three tackles for loss. Uh, The commander's two big money interior defensive linemen, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, they made plays of all of the talk about them not making plays. Uh, John Allen was credited with one and a half sacks, two quarterback hits, and two tackles for loss. Deron Payne was credited with a sack, two quarterback hits, and a tackle for loss. The sack was Deron's first sack since week two of this season, and he had a quarterback hit for the first time since week five of this season. Uh, Edge defender K.J. Henry, he was credited with one and a half sacks, two quarterback hits, a tackle for loss, 
and two pass defenses. And yeah, the commander's run defense over the first three quarters was great uh, for all but the final snap of the third quarter. In fact, the commanders held the Giants to zero net yards rushing in the first half, marking the first time in franchise history, dating back to the start of the franchise in 1932, that the team held an opponent without a rushing yard in the first half of a regular season game. The nine sacks, the zero net yards rushing until the final snap of the third quarter, these things happened. And yet still, (laughs) the commander's defense was not good. That tells you all you need know about the 2023 commander's defense. Boy, what must quarterback Dak Prescott and the rest of the Dallas Cowboys offense be thinking about what can be done against this commander's defense on Thanksgiving? How enticing of a fantasy play might Dak be for commanders at the Cowboys this Thursday afternoon at 4.30. Underdog fantasy. It is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball, daily drafts, and pick'em. Underdog Fantasy offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption, but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy, will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We move now to college football, week 12 of the 2023 season. In the books, uh, the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll came out on Sunday afternoon. James Madison down six spots to number 24. Liberty up three spots to number 22. Very disappointing performance by James Madison on Saturday afternoon. The Dukes fell to 10-1 overall and 6-1 in the Sunbelt Conference with a 26-23 overtime loss to Appalachian State at Bridgeport Stadium in Harrisonburg, Virginia. We had ESPN College Game Day broadcasting live from Harrisonburg on Saturday. An outstanding crowd for game day, an estimated 26,000. But uh, then came the game. Uh, JMU scored just five first half points, two of which came on a safety. The Dukes did overcome a 17-5 fourth quarter deficit quarterback. Jordan McLeod, a first and 10, 11-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Elijah Surratt with 57 seconds left 
in the fourth quarter, and the ensuing two-point conversion tied the game at 20, but... JMU lost in overtime. Uh, McLeod went 27-46 for 289 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. So he averaged just 6.28 yards per pass attempt, and he took five sacks, and he quarterbacked a Duke's offense that went just 6-15 of 15 on third downs. Uh, he got outplayed by App State quarterback Joey Aguilar, who went 28-46 for 318 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. He took just one sack, and he quarterbacked a Mountaineers offense that went 7-16 on third downs. Uh, next up for James Madison, it's regular season finale, and likely season finale, being that the Dukes, because they are in just their second season as an FBS team, uh, are not being allowed by the NCAA to play in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game or in a bowl game unless there are not enough teams with at least 500 records uh, for this season to fill up all of the bowl game spots. Uh, JMU at Coastal Carolina this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. A much better Saturday for Liberty, which improved to 11-0 and overall with a 49-25 win over UMass at William Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on Saturday afternoon. And the game wasn't even that close. The Flames in the fourth quarter held a 49-10 lead before allowing UMass to score the game's final 15 points. Yet another monster offensive showing by Liberty. It generated 549 total net yards of offense, averaged 7.52 yards per play, went 6 of 11 on third downs. Liberty for this season now is number nine in the FBS in offensive efficiency per ESPN. Number nine. What a job that Jamie Chadwell is doing in his first season as Liberty head coach. He was hired last December off a nice four-season run as Coastal Carolina head coach. He was hired to replace Hugh Freeze, who left his job as Liberty head coach to become Auburn's head coach. Uh, Flames quarterback Caden Salter, another good game for him. He, on Saturday afternoon, went 11 of 16 for 225 yards, two touchdowns. Did throw an interception, but he took no sacks. He had 13 carries for 118 yards and two touchdowns. Caden uh, Salter for this season now, number seven among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR, 84.1 QBR on a scale of 0 to 100. Also, Flames running back Quinton Cooley, he had eight carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. Liberty continues to roll. Uh, next up at UTEP this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Maryland, uh, it fell to 6-5 and five overall and 3-5 and five in the Big Ten with a 31-24 loss to number 3 Michigan at CQ Stadium in College Park, Maryland on Saturday afternoon as we had Fox's Big Noon kickoff broadcasting from College Park. But so the beat goes on. Uh, the Terrapins now are 0-34 against ranked Big Ten teams since joining the conference beginning with the 2014 season. Yes, 0-34, and and Maryland, with Mike Loxley as head coach, now is 0-15 in games against ranked Big Ten teams, and this does not include Loxley going 0-2 against ranked Big Ten teams as Terps interim head coach in 2015. That the Terps in a sport in college football in which upsets happen all of the time have not won a single game against a ranked Big Ten team 
since joining the conference really is something. Uh, Now, unlike so many of the Terps' losses to ranked Big Ten teams, this loss was not a blowout loss, although it early on uh, was tracking to be a blowout loss. The Terps, late in the second quarter, trailed at 23-3, but they did then win the rest of the game 21-8. You know, the Terps actually have scored the most points in a regular season game against Michigan in each of the last two seasons. Uh, All three of the Terps' touchdowns in this game were one-yard tush-push rushing touchdowns by backup quarterback Billy Edwards Jr. Yeah, the Terps have mastered the uh, Philadelphia Eagles a tush-push, the brotherly shove. Edwards is a big dude. He's listed as being 6'4 and 219 pounds. The Terps, QB1 to Leah Tungabailoa, he's listed as being 5'11 and 208 pounds. And as for Talia, he had another at-best mixed game. He committed three turnovers, a first quarter sack strip, lost fumble that was returned for a touchdown, a third quarter interception, and a fourth quarter interception. The third quarter interception came three snaps after Talia on a first and 10 for the Terps at their 24, overthrew receiver Ty Felton, who was wide open uh, on what was a shotgun incompletion that could have been a touchdown. Uh, also, Talia committed a fourth quarter intentional grounding penalty for a safety, uh, what was actually Michigan's second safety of the game. The Terps had a late first quarter punt that was blocked for a safety, and Talia took five sacks. Uh, now, he did go 21 to 31 for 247 yards and did quarterback a Terps offense that went 5 of 12 on third downs against what is a really good. Michigan defense. But this was Terps head coach Mike Loxley during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Talia getting sacked five times. You know, I think the big thing is most of the pressure came with the four-man rush. And, and to me, you know, they played coverage behind it very few times that they outnumber the box or, or bring pressure. I think they had maybe one zero check on third down. Um, and so w- w- what we've got to be able to do is obviously when people play us in coverage, uh, there's some opportunities where you have to check the ball down and get to that a little quicker. I think we found ourselves holding on to the football. We did give up some pressure on the interior, which has kind of been an, Ach- an Achilles heel for us, is our inability to keep things firm for our quarterback, especially uh, when we have opportunities to throw the ball down the field. But again, um, give Michigan credit. They did a good job of uh, – creating the sacks and and winning some of those one-on-one battles. And and we've got to do a better job of protecting the quarterback. Yeah, Mike Loxley seemed to put at least a decent amount of Talia Tungavailoa getting sacked five times on Talia. Uh, Terps running backs, Roman Hemby, Colby McDonald, and Antoine Littleton II on Saturday afternoon combined for 20 carries for just 56 yards against, again, uh, a Michigan defense that uh, is really good. But the Terps defense played well. The Terps held Michigan's offense to just three touchdowns. The Terps held Michigan to just 291 total net yards of offense and to just 4.28 yards per play. And the Terps held Michigan to just 413 on third downs. This was a respectable performance by the Terps, uh, albeit and yet another loss uh, to a ranked Big Ten team. More from Mike Loxley during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon. You know what, as, as always, give credit to our uh, our opponent, Michigan. Um, did a really good job having their team prepared uh, for a game like this with all the things they got going on up uh, up there neck of the woods. The, you know, their team continued to show tremendous uh, resiliency. But I'm also proud of the way our team fought. Uh, I'm not up here to to you know, celebrate a moral victory at all, but you know what? Uh, to have a breakthrough win, you know our team played the script to a T, except the finish. 
And to me, down 20 and we still had a chance to win, our team continued to fight. Uh, we knew that we would have to take their best. We withstood the onslaught early in the, you know, early in the first half. And, you know, going in at the halftime, we knew that coming out and scoring early and getting a three and out to get us back in the game, and we were able to do it. Um, when you play a champion like Michigan, you got to understand they won't give it to you. And, and our guys need to continue to understand that we're going to have to go take it, whether it's against them and the crowd. You know, they had a great crowd show up here for us. But you know what? There are no, more vic no, no moral victories, but this is definitely one of those games that I feel as a program that we'll be able to build off of. Yeah, the problem with that is that this is Mike Loxley's fifth season as Terps head coach, the building off of close losses to ranked Big Ten teams should have happened over the first few seasons of his head coaching tenure with the Terps. Uh, now really should be the Terps uh, beating some of these ranked Big Ten teams, but we are still waiting on that happening. Uh, next up for Maryland is its regular season finale, Terps at Rutgers, this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Well, the Terps continue to struggle against the big boys of the Big Ten, and Virginia Tech continues to struggle against the big boys of the ACC. The Hokies fell to 5-6 and six overall and 4-3 and three in the ACC with a 35-28 loss to NC State at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia on Saturday. Tech in the third quarter trailed 28-7. Now, the Hokies did win the rest of the game 21-7, but they ultimately fell short. Here's the bottom line with Tech. It since its 1-3 and three start to this season has been good against bad teams, but bad against good teams. So the Hokies, since their 1-3 and three start, are 4-3. and three. All three losses have been to good teams in the ACC. Uh, road losses to Florida State and Louisville. And now this home loss to NC State, which is not as good as Florida State and Louisville, but does have a really good defense. NC State for this season is number 18 in the FBS in defensive efficiency per ESPN. Now, a big aspect of this game was Tech barely having the ball. Uh, the Hokies lost the time of possession battle by a staggering 21 minutes, 14 seconds. A big reason for this was what happened on third downs. Tech went just one of seven on third downs and allowed NC State to go seven of 15 on third downs. Uh, but the Hokies lost the game despite averaging a terrific 7.5. Five, nine yards per play. The problem was that Tech ran just 46 offensive plays to NC State 74. Uh, but Hokies quarterback Kyron Drones, I thought, had a pretty good game. Drones completed just 17 of his 30 pass attempts, but he threw for 225 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. He took just one sack. Uh, Drones, when you take out the one sack that he took, had eight carries for 53 yards. A good game for Tech receiver and Norfolk State transfer Daquan Felton. He had seven receptions for 87 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Hokies running back in North Carolina A&T transfer Bayshall Tutu. He had just two carries for minus three yards. Tech trailing by so much forced the Hokies to abandon the running game. Tootin did have a second quarter 50-yard kickoff return. Uh, and Tech's defense had trouble with NC State quarterback and Virginia transfer Brennan Armstrong, who accounted for four touchdowns. You know, Armstrong has not had a good season, but he was good on Saturday. He went 18-26 to for 203 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took just one sack, and Armstrong, when you take out the one sack that he took, had 20 carries for 95 yards and two touchdowns. So the Hokies remain a win away from bowl eligibility. One more chance to get to six wins. Virginia Tech at Virginia this Saturday afternoon 
at 3.30. And the Cavaliers are coming off a nice win. The Wahoos improved to 3-8 and overall and 2-5 and in the ACC with a 30-27 win over Duke at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia on Saturday. The Cavs never trailed. Uh, they built a 27-13 fourth quarter lead that held on for the win. Who's head coach Tony Elliott for a second consecutive game went with the true freshman Anthony Calandria as the team's starting quarterback off the team's QB1, the Monmouth transfer, Tony Musket, having suffered an ankle injury in the Cavs' 45-17 home loss to Georgia Tech on November 4th. And Calandria in this win over Duke was really good. He went 21-30 for 278 yards, three touchdowns, and no turnovers. He took just one sack. Uh, Calandria, when you take out that one sack, had eight carries for 73 yards. Uh, Yet another big game for Cavs receiver and Northwestern transfer Malik Washington. Eight receptions for 112 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets. Tenth consecutive game for Washington in which he had at least 97 receiving yards. And he in nine of these games has had at least 109 receiving yards. And Washington in this game set new UVA single season records for receptions and receiving yards. What a season Malik Washington is having. Uh, Who's running backs? Kobe Pace and Mike Hollins. They combined for 28 carries for 104 yards, although Pace had 21 carries for just 54 yards. Hollins had seven carries for 50 yards. Uh, And while the Cavs' defense gave stuff up, the Who's generated plenty of offense. UVA outgained Duke 448-437 and averaged 6.31 yards per play to Duke's 5.99. Nice work. By Virginia. Now, also with Virginia, uh, we on Friday afternoon did get an update on running back Paris Jones. So we in UVA's 31-24 loss at then number 11 Louisville on November 9th had on a late third quarter, second and 27 for the Cavs at the Louisville 49, Anthony Calandria firing a shotgun screen pass to Paris Jones, who took a nasty helmet-to-helmet hit and fumbled the ball, although the ball went right to Malik Washington, who generated a uh, lengthy fumble return for a touchdown. But Jones ended up being carted off the field. Uh, Virginia, at 12.28 a.m. Eastern on November 10th, released a statement saying that Jones had been, quote, taken by ambulance to the UofL Medical Center, end quote, but had, quote, regained movement in all of his extremities after being injured, end quote. Virginia, on November 11th, released a statement saying that Jones, quote, underwent successful spine surgery, end quote, on November 10th. And Virginia, this past Friday afternoon, November 17th, released a statement saying that Jones had been, quote, transferred from the UofL Medical Center to the Fraser Rehabilitation Institute in Louisville, end quote, and would, quote, be there for several weeks, end quote. All of this as this past Monday, November 13th, was the one-year anniversary of the tragedy. Uh, former Virginia running back shooting and killing three Virginia football players and shooting and wounding two other Virginia students, including another Virginia football player. The three Virginia players who were killed were receiver Lavelle Davis Jr., receiver Devin Chandler, and linebacker slash defensive end Deshaun Perry. The Virginia player who was wounded was running back Mike Hollins. This was Tony Elliott during his postgame press conference on Saturday evening on the week that was for his team. 
we're right back to work on Tuesday morning, and and I can tell you, and I've, I've been around a lot of practice fields, and I and I hadn't felt what I felt on Tuesday with these guys, uh, considering uh, what they went through the day before, man. And then they brought it back Wednesday, uh, and so I think this that uh, they understood that this week and 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 every week going forward, they're playing for something bigger than themselves. Uh, and it was awesome to be able to go to Louisville and see Paris. Um, you know, grateful for, for the administration and making that happen. And man, he, he inspired me, right? And here's a, here's a 25 year old man, a uh, young man that's football career, you know, presumably is finished and he's uh, in a hospital, just had major surgery, you know? And, and, and the first thing he says is he apologizes to Coach Gaither and myself for fumbling the football. I mean, that was his first comment, you know, and then he, he, he made a profound statement while he while we were in there and we were kind of talking about the situation and just, you know, talking about kind of uh, how everything happened. And he said, I remember uh, laying on the ground and uh, once Kelly and everybody kind of calmed me down and, and uh, stabilized me. So I remember uh, closing my eyes and say, God, I'm listening. And for a young man, you know, to, to say that uh, just inspired me. Uh, as a as a as a 43 year old uh, man who's been through a lot, so uh, that group of people in that locker room, staff and players, um, awesome people, and those players in there are going to go do great things because of the the adversity that they've had to persevere through. Uh, so so just just so man, so humble, so thankful, so grateful that they got to experience victory. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's a group of winners in there. Right. I know people are going to judge us by scores and stats and wins and losses, but that's a group of of winners in there that are going to do great things uh, in life. But uh, it was a it was a tough week. But I tell you what, man, the guys took it in stride and took ownership of it and uh, had a really good week of practice and allowed them to to be able to play uh, the way they did today. All right. Some uh, powerful stuff. From Tony Elliott right there. Uh, also with a big win on Saturday was Navy. Uh, the midshipmen improved a 5-5 five and five overall and 4-3 and three in the American Athletic Conference with a 10-0 win over East Carolina at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday afternoon. The mids notched their third shutout win of this season, marking the program's most shutout wins in a season since having four shutout wins in the 1978 season. Uh, the mids held East Carolina to just 189 total net yards of offense and to just 3.15 yards per play. The Mids held East Carolina to just nine first downs. The Mids held East Carolina to just two of 13 on third downs. A dominant defensive performance by Navy. Uh, Navy head coach Brian Newberry for a third consecutive game started Xavier Arline at quarterback. He had a so-so game. The negatives were that Arline had two second quarter loss fumbles and quarterback the Navy team that scored just 10 points and went just 6-16 on third downs. But Arline did go 10 of 11 passing for 102 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions. He took two sacks, including a sack strip for a lost fumble. Uh, R-line, when you take out the two sacks that he took, had 16 carries for 88 yards. Uh, Navy fullback Alex Tesca had 24 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown. Uh, This has not been a great season for Navy, but its five wins are its most wins in a season since 2019. And the mids still can go bowling. Uh, this was Brian Newberry during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think it's definitely progress. You'd like to have a couple more of those wins, you know, some games you'd like to get back. Um, but it is progress, and you're know, sitting there with five wins, and obviously got to 
Uh, we're going to enjoy this one, obviously, this weekend and, and come back here on Monday go to work. And, um, we're going to play a really good football team next weekend. You know, and, 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 and we're going to go down there and try to win that game, obviously. And uh, that would put us at six, which would be uh, you know, a milestone for us into a bowl game. And, and uh, so excited about that opportunity. And they've got two big ones still in front of us, so a lot to play for. And, and our kids are excited about that. And uh, I know they'll be chomping at the bit you know, to get back to work on Monday. Well, two games left for Navy this regular season at SMU this Saturday at noon. And then the big game versus Army. Navy versus Army this year is happening at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts on Saturday afternoon, December 9th at 3. So Navy still has a chance to make a bowl game, and so does Old Dominion. Uh, the Monarch snapped a three-game losing streak. They improved to 5-6 and six overall and 4-3 and three in the Sunbelt Conference with a 2017 win at Georgia Southern on Saturday evening. ODU kicker Ethan Sanchez, a game-winning 22-yard field goal as time expired in the fourth quarter. He early in the first quarter connected on a 47-yard field goal. Uh, among those in attendance at the game, ODU legend, former Washington quarterback and current Atlanta Falcons quarterback, Taylor Heineke. Yes, Tay-Tay uh, was in the house. Uh, next up for Old Dominion, home to Georgia State this Saturday afternoon at 2. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. We go from college football to college basketball. Good weekend for Georgetown. Uh, that is not a phrase <laughs> that has been said often in recent years, but we can say that uh, this past weekend. The Hoyas over the weekend played two games in what is known as the Georgetown Multi-Team Event. 
the Georgetown multi-team event took place at Capital One Arena Saturday afternoon, an 83-72 win over Mount St. Mary's. The Hoyas never trailed in the game. They began the game on a 13-2 run. And then Sunday, an 88-83 overtime win over American. The Hoyas overcame being down by 11 points with less than six minutes left in the second half. The Hoyas ended the second half on a 27-16 run, then won the overtime 12-7. A 6-2 Illinois transfer, Jaden Epps. He on Sunday had a monster game for the Hoyas. He, over the final six minutes of regulation, scored 20 points. Think about that. Final six minutes of regulation, 20 points, including making five threes. Jaden Epps was on fire. He, in 40 minutes as a starter, went 6 of 13 on threes, 5 of 9 on twos, and 3 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 31 points and 4 assists versus 3 turnovers. Uh, What a performance by Jaden Epps. Uh, Also key for the Hoyas in this win over American was 6-6 North Carolina transfer Dontrez Stiles. Uh, He, in 44 minutes as a starter, went just 1 of 6 on threes, but also 7 of 12 on twos and 5 of 6 on free throws. He finished with 22 points and 11 rebounds, including six offensive boards. Uh, Styles also was good in that win over Mount St. Mary's on Saturday afternoon. Styles in that game, 38 minutes as a starter, three of six on threes, five of nine on twos, seven of nine on free throws. He finished with 26 points, eight rebounds, four assists versus no turnovers and two blocks. So we're seeing some good things uh, from these transfers brought in by the Hoyas new head coach, Ed Cooley. Uh, Hoyas now three and two this season. Next up for Georgetown, home to Jackson State this Saturday at noon. Not having a good weekend was Maryland. Uh, it fell to one and three this season with a 57-40 loss at number 21 Villanova on Friday night in the 2023 Gavit tip-off games. And yes, you heard that record correctly. One and three. The Terrapins are one and three. A debacle of a game on Friday night. Uh, The Terps never held a lead in the game. They allowed Villanova to begin the game on a 17-3 run. The Terps at the half trailed 39-15. The Terps at one point in the second half trailed by 32 points at 49-17. The Terps Offense was horrendous. The Terps scored just 40 points when a putrid 5 of 26 on threes and a putrid 7 of 24 on twos. Jameer Young and Dante Scott, they went a combined 5 of 12 on threes. The rest of the Terps went a combined 0 of 14 on threes. The only Terps player to score at least 10 points was Julian Reese. He scored exactly 10 points. Uh, and Terps head coach Kevin Willard, he started 6'6 true freshman Jamie Kaiser Jr. for the first time. Kaiser did some good things defensively, but he had 18 minutes as a starter, went 0 4 from the field, all threes, and finished with no points, no rebounds, no assists, no blocks, a steal, and three fouls. But consider this Willard during his postgame press conference on Friday night said, quote, I'm searching for that fifth starter, just to be honest with you. I'm searching. I'm failing miserably, end quote. Uh, The Terps have been really bad in terms of offense. Uh, The team, once again, does not have many quality shooters. And Willard, quite clearly, is trying to figure out what the heck he has. You know, there had been some disappointment amongst Terps fans like me over over Maryland not being ranked to begin the season. Uh, Yeah, never mind. Uh, One and three is the record. Next up for Maryland, home to UMBC Tuesday night 
at seven. Well, a team that is ranked is James Madison, number 24. Yeah, JMU is number 24 in the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll, and the Dukes improved to 4-0 with a 76-73 win over Radford at Atlantic Union Bank Center in Harrisonburg, Virginia on Friday night. Not an easy win for JMU. It won despite blowing a 10-point first-half lead and won despite going just 6 of 24 on threes, but a good game for 6-6. Terrence Edwards Jr., he in 33 minutes as a starter, went 3 of 6 on threes, 5 of 12 on twos, and 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 21 points and 7 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards. Did have 1 assist versus three turnovers. Uh, This game was part of the 2023 Cancun Challenge. Next up for JMU are two games in Riviera, Maya, Mexico. Uh, First up, James Madison versus Southern Illinois in Mexico Tuesday evening at 6. And Virginia Tech, it improved to 3-1 with a 98-76 win over Wofford at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia on Sunday evening. Another good game for 6'10", Lynn Kidd, he in just 21 minutes as a starter, had 20 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists versus no turnovers. He went 6 of 8 from the field, all 2s, and 8 of 8 on free throws. Uh, next up for the Hokies, three games in the ESPN Events Invitational in Orlando, Florida. First up a game on Thanksgiving night, Virginia Tech versus Boise State, Thursday night at 8. Well, the Capitals right now are having ample time between games, uh, and the Caps right now are winning games. The Caps are in the midst of a stretch of just three games in 12 days, but the Caps have won four consecutive games and are 8-1-1 and since their 1-3 and one start to this 2023-2024 NHL regular season. Saturday night, a 4-3 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena, a game in which the Caps got back three key players from injury, uh, winger Anthony Mantha and defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Joel Edmondson. Uh, Anthony Mantha returned from a three-game absence caused by having taken a puck to the head uh, this in the Caps 4-3 overtime loss to the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena on November 8th. And Mantha, in this win over the Blue Jackets on Saturday night, had a game-high six shots on goal. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, he returned from a four-game absence caused by a lower body injury that he suffered in the Caps' 2-1 win over the Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena on November 4th. And Joel Edmondson made his Caps regular season debut. He had not played this regular season due to a fractured hand uh, on which he underwent a procedure on September 26. Edmondson suffered the fractured hand in a team scrimmage on September 24th. So good to see all three of those guys back for the Cavs. Good to see the great eight score a goal. Uh, top line left wing Alex Ovechkin, he on Saturday night scored an even strength goal 15-47 into the second period for his fifth goal in 15 games this regular season. Ovi's lack of goals this season has been a big topic, but five goals in 15 games does translate to 27 goals over an 82-game regular season. Ovi is like a good week or two away from being right on track uh, for another 30 or even 40 goal regular season. But what stood out as much as anything to me uh, for the Caps in this win over the Blue Jackets on Saturday night was the Caps' 
third line. Uh, the Caps, third line of left wing Sonny Milano, center Hendricks Lapierre, and right wing Alexi Protis was responsible for three of the Caps' four goals. Milano scored an even strength goal 5.05 into the second period and had a primary assist. Lapierre scored an even strength goal 13.34 into the third period, had two secondary assists, and went 7-4 and four on face-offs. And Protus scored an even-strength goal 13-16 into the second period and had two assists. Very encouraging to have this, especially given that LaPierre and Protus are two key players in the Caps' retool. And uh, each guy on Saturday night had a goal and two assists. Camps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on the work of his third line. Yeah, that line um, I thought was the difference in the game for us. We didn't have a ton going. I thought um, first period was solid. I thought that was probably our best period. Um, when we break it down and look back, it felt like um, we controlled play. We did some good things, but we still weren't breaking through, weren't generating. And then that line um, takes over and, and scores and sort of gets some life in the building, life to our group, and then backs it up again and, and again. Um, so that they were uh, fantastic in, in playing limited minutes, right? Like they played 10 minutes, they, they score three goals. Like that's a huge night um, for them offensively and to carry our team to, to victory tonight. Well, also in this 4-3 win over the Blue Jackets on Saturday night was Charlie Lindgren and not Darcy Kemper as the Caps' starting goaltender. Uh, Kemper, for a second consecutive game, was the Caps' number two goaltender. Uh, this often being back from having gotten hurt in the Camps' overtime loss to the Panthers at Capital One Arena on November 8th. Uh, Spencer Carberry has not been in a rush to play Darcy Kemper, especially with Lindgren playing well. Uh, Lindgren on Saturday night, not great, but he was good enough. Uh, he stopped 33 of the 36 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Lindgren, per natural stat trick, stopped six of the eight high danger shots on goal that he faced, stopped 12 of the 13 medium danger shots on goal that he faced, and stopped all 13 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, the Caps did lose the puck possession battle. They had 26 shots on goal to the Blue Jackets, 36, and per natural stat trick had just 45 five-on-five shot attempts to the Blue Jackets, 58. And then there are Caps special teams, which are in a really strange place right now. The penalty kill is white hot. The power play is ice cold. Uh, the Caps on Saturday night went 3-3 on the penalty kill, improving to a perfect 23-23 of 23 on the penalty kill during this stretch of going 8-1-1. But the Caps on Saturday night also went 0-2 on the power play, falling to a woeful 3-43 of 43 on the power play this regular season. I mean, 3-43 of 43 on the power play is atrocious. And yet, here we are. The Caps, remarkably, are 9-4-2. Next up for the Caps, home to the Buffalo Sabres, Wednesday night at 7. All right, so the Capitals' next game is not until Wednesday night. The Wizards' next game is on Monday night, uh, home to the Milwaukee Bucks at 7. The Caps won their lone game over the weekend, but the Wizards did not. Uh, they fell to 2-10 and 10 
in this 2023-2024 NBA regular season with a 120-99 loss to the New York Knicks at Capital One Arena on Friday night. This marked the Wizards' third and final game in uh, the NBA's first ever in-season tournament. The Wizards already have been eliminated from the NBA's first ever in-season tournament. Boy, that did not take long. (laughs) The the Wizards went 0-3 in the tournament and uh, were eliminated from the tournament via this loss to the Knicks. Uh, The Wizards never held a lead in the game. They allowed the Knicks to begin the game on a 16-4 run. The Wizards in the fourth quarter did cut their deficit to 5 at 95-90, but they then lost the rest of the game, 25-9. More bad defense by the Wizards. They allowed the Knicks to score 120 points, allowed the Knicks to go 16-38 on threes and 29-53 on twos. And the Wizards got worked by Knicks point guard Jalen Brunson, who in 33 minutes, 54 seconds as a starter, went 6-10 on threes and 6-6 on free throws. He did go just 4-13 on twos, but he finished with 32 points, 7 assists versus no turnovers, and 7 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards. Uh, Also, more bad rebounding by the Wizards. Uh, Their lack of size and really also their lack of 1-2 on the boards, major problems. The Wizards got out-rebounded by the Knicks. 48-32. 48-32. The Wizards had just seven offensive rebounds to the Knicks 14 and thus just nine second chance points to the Knicks 17. And Jordan Poole continues to be really bad. Uh, Poole in 28 minutes, 31 seconds as a starter went 0 of 6 on threes and just 2 of 5 on twos. And he committed five turnovers. He went 4 of 4 on free throws, finished with eight points and four assists. But Poole and Kyle Kuzma in a fourth quarter that the Wizards lost 31-15 combined for two points on 0 of 7 shooting. Uh, Jordan Poole over 12 games this regular season is shooting 27.8% on threes, 22 of 79. He is not shooting well. Uh, He is not scoring much. He is committing turnovers and he is not playing much defense. Uh, Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Friday night was asked how he can get Jordan Poole going. Uh, This was Wes's answer. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Wizards insider Josh Robbins of The Athletic. I mean, I got to find ways to, you know, maybe take some pressure off of him. You know, they they blitzed him a little bit tonight. Um, You know, teams are really physical with him. And, you know, to his credit, he keeps working. He puts a ton of work in his his shot. Um, So I think it's just, you know, a matter of time before it it breaks. And he hasn't seen the result, you know, thus far. Um, And that's where we as a group have to find ways to make it easy for him. What's your sense in terms of how he's dealing with not playing up to what he wants to play in terms of frustration level. I'm sure he's frustrated. Level. I mean, who wouldn't be? Um, but that's probably a question for him. Um, you can see it. You know, you can see it because he wants it so bad. He cares. Um, and he, like I said, he put it, he puts in the more than enough time. Um, to his credit, you want to you want to feel that you know what you're doing is is going to get the payoff. The Wizards got Jordan Poole from the Golden State Warriors in the Chris Paul trade this past July 6th. The idea with Poole and with re-signing Kyle Kuzma as an unrestricted free agent this past July to me has been, hey, each guy is young enough and talented enough and under contract for long enough to where he can be a building block in the Wizards rebuild or he can be a trade chip in the Wizards rebuild. Well, the uh, stock of Jordan Poole, at least so far this season, has uh, gone down. Uh, Hopefully, he does get on track.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday's show, episode 704. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders. As we on Monday expect to have the day after the game press conference of head coach Ron Rivera off his team falling to four and seven in this 2023 NFL regular season with the 31-19 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. That is if Ron isn't fired on Monday. So so that day after the game presser may not happen. We may have an introductory presser for an interim head coach. Who knows? Uh, also on Tuesday's show, I'll talk Wizards and Virginia basketball. The Wizards are home to the Milwaukee Bucks Monday night at 7. The Cavaliers on Monday evening have the first of two games in the Fort Myers tip-off in Florida. Uh, Wahoos versus Wisconsin. Monday evening at 6. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Sometimes you win them, sometimes you don't.